Same as it ever was, and welcome in, friends, to this jam donut of an episode, or, or is that a bear claw? Anyway, it's fuse box number 76, no regerts. <laughs> kind of says it all, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, and uh, we're happy as a hat full of marmosets to have you along on this edition of the show. I'm your probably concealing something, but you can't really tell host, Mark Rose, and uh, over there, <laughs> the Duke of Decibels himself, Milt Keynes, everybody. Thank you kindly. And, uh, yeah, yeah, we, uh, we have a shout-out to do here, right? Indeed, sir, indeed we do. Indeed we do. And why don't you just kick that right now? Thank you. As you know, dear friends... This uh, fuse box shout-out thing applies uh, to not only folks out there we don't know, but also folks we encounter here. And uh, one uh, such chap by the name of Evan Morgan had this delirious idea for us, that of uh, breaking the 4th, 5th, 6th, and possibly even the 18th walls and uh, transforming a normal day here at Fusebox into a Lego nightmare. A little promo called Lego of Reality was created, and it's running right now in the uh, Facebook universe, also on our YouTube channel, right? Is that right? Am I misspeaking? Yeah, it's up there. Okay, good. Yeah, so, Evan slaved away at this thing for untold hours, not sleeping for days, and eating only Pop-Tarts and probably an occasional Necco wafer, and produced this rather extraordinary little bit. So, to Mr. Evan Morgan, we give you the official salute from Fusebox. Yeah, so check that out. Like I said, it's it's uh, it's running on our uh, Facebook page right now and darting all over everywhere because uh, we're we're trying to get a little traction on that one. And uh, and uh, speaking of traction, to go hand in hand with that is a uh, little promotion we're doing here at the show. If uh, you share this uh, this here uh, Lego of reality thingy, and uh, of course you know when you do that, your little name appears and says. Frank Garfani has just shared this thing. Well, that name will be entered into a random drawing, and one lucky recipient will receive either a Fusebox whiskey mug or T-shirt of their choice from the Fusebox store as a reward for spreading the good word for us. And we're not joking around, folks. This is for real. We'll be uh, doing this drawing at the uh, end of the month of October, on uh, October 25th, and uh, we'll do it live right here 
and you'll hear it with paper rustling and everything. So, uh, yes, thanks again to Evan for putting that little thing together. It was uh, a delight to do, and uh, who knows what'll happen with that. I'm not sure, but it's fun. It was really fun to do. So stay tuned for updates. Indeed. Which uh, leads me down this uh, rather tangential but somehow connected path and uh, this uh, wonderful little bit of uh, shopping convenience that's been announced by a giant retailer Walmart. So, you know how these days uh, everything can be delivered pretty quick. I mean, there's uh, Amazon Now and several other services like that that will deliver products to you in mere hours, not not days. And uh, that, of course, includes uh, groceries and uh, meals, as we know. Well, to add to that instant gratification list, Walmart's plan is uh, not only to uh, deliver your groceries speedy-zippy-fast, even, but will put them away for you, too. Wait, what? You mean they're coming into your house and... And opening up the old fridge and putting the cabbage away for you. And the cleanser. And the pork loin. Or whatever else you may have purchased. Whether you are home or not. Hey, now. Yep. See, what they're proposing is to use this, uh, what's becoming known as a smart lock. Now, this is a device that has a uh, disposable passcode that's attached to it that allows anyone entrance to the home that has that particular code. For a short duration, of course. Then a new passcode is required. Who in hell would think that this is a good idea? Well, <laughs> well my guess is the millions of folks who have uh, already purchased those talking boxes. You know? Like Echo and Alexa and uh, soon to be whatever the hell the Apple one is. Because, see, friends, you're already okay with having this two-way device eavesdropping on your lives 24 hours a day. Yeah, 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 but I can turn the mics off. Sure you can. (laughs) Hey, Milt, do you you remember the producer button? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) See, friends, in the world of post-production, sometimes it was necessary to... um, Oh, I don't know. Play magician, right? So let's say a client would ask for some tweak to be made to a little teeny part of an already assembled track, which probably took 70 hours to complete, right? So we'd often (laughs) hand the, quote, producer's button or knob or whatever, you know, maybe it's a fader on the board and say, well, you know, just just turn that or tweak this and until you, you hear exactly what it is that you want to hear because it'll, it'll make the, the adjustment automatically for you. And, uh, <laughs> of course, this knob and this fader and this button and this switch, it, it's not attached to anything, okay? It's just, it's a dummy button. But inevitably, as they turn the knob or tweak the fader, they would reach a rapturous point and exclaim, That's it! Yeah. At which point we'd say, Perfect! And move along. 
smoke and mirrors, and the power of suggestion. Such it is with Mike Off. Understand what I'm saying? <laughs> You'd never get one of those robots in a can in my place. Not ever. Yeah, I know. So, you know, Minority Report is not far from becoming a thing, you know, the book by Philip K. Dick where these little robot spiders with camera eyes come scuttling into your home without notice or invite and uh, climb up on you and peer into your eyes to check for any future crime potential. And you just casually allow that. As we all know, it happens every day anyway, right? (laughs) So what's next? They're going to put it away for you and then and then maybe feed it to you too or maybe eat it for you we asked steve schrudelman to shrink his own head but it's to prove a point oh yeah this could be good uh-huh if you help me So, uh, some screen-related topics here, friends, and an inspiring and life-affirming Video Vixen review coming up in a bit. But first, and uh, this, this really does fall into the category of pulling the wool over our own eyes. You know what I'm saying? Bob. Right. Uh, many, I'm sure, have probably watched the first installment of uh, Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> or as my friend uh, Gerald McQuinn labels it, STD. Go ahead, do the math. Uh, we have another example of uh, just soaking in it, friends. Do you notice that the uh, premise of this show, at least timeline-wise, is that it uh, allegedly takes place 10 years before the time of the original series, which at least... Uh, in our timeline, uh, that pilot was completed in 6465, which, uh, you know, has a certain aesthetic as it applies to the uh, ship and electronic design and so forth, right? I mean, even in 1965, seriously, the show had some pretty forward-thinking designs about what control surfaces and ship designs and all that stuff would really look like. I mean, it was pretty, yeah, for the time, it was pretty out there. So... <laughs> So then, why the hell does this thing look like its design aesthetic is 200 years ahead of the original series instead of behind? Want to know? Because it's impossible. They wouldn't do it. Nope. See, you got to have the stinking gray-blue film washes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you have that. And you got to have all those contemporary trappings of more modern production style, you know, coupled with the fact that I'm, I'm guessing now, but many of the folks uh, working on this production design of this new series weren't even born when the first series aired, which uh, in itself is not an indictment, but we are a product of our times, are we not? And you know, some days I feel like I must have been built on the off day at the assembly plant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, didn't they have a word for that? It was like a Tuesday car or something? I don't know. But anyway. Uh, oh, uh, and speaking of assembly, actually, uh, in a good way, 
You know, from time to time, we, we like to do uh, the occasional interview with, with uh, interesting folks. And uh, I'm uh, attempting to put one together right now with a most remarkable chap who, uh, as it turns out, spends a lot of his time interviewing folks connected to a very, uh, well, at least interesting to me, <laughs> time in film history from, I don't know, say about 1968 to roughly 1980. He may go a little beyond that, but roughly speaking. Uh, and all these folks are uh, connected to a specific genre of film and a definite historical reference point. These being the adult film actors and directors, producers, and writers of the time who took the uh, genre from um, those uh, smarmy little 8mm loops to, in some cases, uh, mainstream audiences at uh, a most pivotal time, to say the least. Ashley West is his name, and uh, his website, therialtoreport.com, is a wondrous repository of interviews and information and articles that uh, he and uh, some colleagues there, uh, one in particular, April Hall, who is working with him on the documentary for a lot of this stuff, among others, uh, have put together there. And I, uh, I, I can't recommend this site enough if you have uh, any interest in this period of cinematic history because it's, it's dealt with... Uh, in a scholarly manner. It's an amazing achievement there. Uh, oh, is that why you have that uh, raincoat on? <laughs> <laughs> yes, in celebration of their marvelous achievement and other things. Now, actually, uh, my intention here is to uh, plug one of Ashley's uh, recent achievements, and that is as being a consultant on HBO's The Deuce, which is all about this exact period of time in New York around uh, 1970-71, right at the cusp of that uh, adult film explosion, as you might say. So, you know, East Coast, West Coast, they all had very particular camps in those days, uh, and that in itself actually would be a fascinating discussion, but I digress. Uh, so we're, we're in the process of setting that up, and... Um, and we'll have more info on it uh, because I'm sure that's going to be an interesting series of uh, interviews because I'm sure it'll be a series. So uh, we'll let you know uh, uh, more as we hammer it down. Or tie it up. Whatever waxes your pangolin, I always say. So uh, we've been uh, throwing the idea around for some time to have a little uh, audience participation segment, albeit vicariously. That would be fun, enjoyable, and inevitably start a riot in your home, for sure. Uh, we chat a fair amount here on this program about film, and uh, one or two or nine folks around here have a uh, healthy appreciation, nay, encyclopedic knowledge of film history in some cases. Uh, does porn count? Uh, yeah, and in my book, it's, uh, it's page one. See right here? Yeah. But seriously, we've, we've been talking about uh, several versions of this idea, but... Just to get it going, let me describe one concept. It's actually a game you can play at home, friends, with absolutely no game pieces to get lost or mistakenly chewed by Japanese pocket squirrels. <laughs> That's right. No cards, ten-sided dice, or marbles. It's simply this. A game called Movie or Film. Now, you can probably guess where this is headed, but the idea is 
one person mentions a film title, and the other person or persons state what they think its aesthetic is. In other words, just to be obvious, many would consider a title like The Road, directed by uh, John Hillcoat, film came out just a short time ago, to be a film based on its aesthetic, rather serious tone and look and all of that. Something like The Marx Brothers, A Day at the Opera. Maybe more of a movie. You know what I'm saying? Can you say see what I'm doing? Okay. So if someone said, uh, oh, I don't know, Dr. Strangelove. Movie. <laughs> now, now, I might disagree with that and probably do. And then I could throw out another title and see what ensues from that or discuss it or whatever. Great way to start divorce proceedings or uh, maybe a breakup. We're just doing our part for the community, you know? So, so let's just play around here a little bit. Let, let me throw out one or two more and uh, uh, let's see what happens. So, uh, Milt, how about this? Um, a, a recent film, Kong, Skull Island. Yeah, I didn't see it. All right, fair enough. And that's that'll happen. So, you know, you can move on to the next or, you know. So you you go ahead and throw out one. Well, what do you think of it? Oh, well, yeah, I'd say I'd say movie, but a very fun one with uh, terrific production design and and uh, really stunning uh, cinematography. It was great actually. I I enjoyed it. It was a fun ride. But yeah, movie. Okay. Let's see. Uh, oh, oh, I got it. The Love Bug. Oh, uh movie. Film, bro. Film. Joe Flynn. I mean, come on. The dude should have been nominated for a damn Oscar. I mean, that was outstanding, right? Uh, All right. Oh, oh, how about this one? Evil Knievel. Um, you mean the one with uh, George Hamilton? Yeah, that one. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Movie. Film, buddy. <laughs> Hamilton nailed that bad boy vibe. I mean. That performance <laughs> was epic. All right, all right, okay, all right, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw you a curveball. Go for it. All right, Ray Dennis Steckler's "The Incredibly Strange Creatures That Stopped Living and Became Mixed Up Zombies." Oh, that's an easy one, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. Film. Wow. Really? Hell yes. Any movie with a title that long's got to be a film. You, sir, are an enigma. Wrapped in a conundrum, spinning in a vortex of contradictions. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, so you get the idea here. You know, go ahead. Try it at home, friends, and see what kind of carnage you too can create by merely uttering a film title. And uh, <clears throat> coming to rescue us from ourselves is the uh, video vixen, champion of the little people. Yes, she watches this stuff so you don't have to. Or, well... You actually might anyway, because, as is probably the case in this, her latest review of a masterpiece from the 1970s. I'm going to get the highest grades, and studying isn't going to have anything to do with it. Vixen. <laughs> Malibu High, 1979. Directed by Erwin Berwick. Stars Jill Lansing, Katie Johnson, 
and Tammy Taylor. Poor Kim. Her boyfriend Kevin dumped her for a rich bitch. Her father committed suicide, and she's flunking half of her classes. She might not graduate. What's a girl to do but turn to prostitution and assassination for hire? Laughable from beginning to end on so many levels. Pick your target. There are many. The soundtrack, the clothes, the acting, the nudity, none of which is arousing, the drug use, and the idea that the main character would even be remotely appealing to anyone enough to pay her for sex. By the way, she looks nothing like the hot chick on the movie posters. That's something you'll notice right away. This is just bad, but in an amazingly awesome way. Follow Kim and Lucy's example. Bring out the bong if you plan to watch this junk. I'm the Video Vixen. And remember, behave yourselves. So, uh, is this what they meant by higher learning? For who? The audience or the actors? Yeah. Precisely. And so... Be with us next time when freebasing nitrous oxide while riding on cruise missiles proves to be a little much for Darlene and Betsy. Somewhere in America. Thunder Dan Hansen orders his usual at the Bucket of Blood Biker Bar. just sitting here writing my sermon for next Sunday's services called Why Atheists, Commies, and Teenagers Are Going to Hell. For our children, we 
all know what a terrible, terrible place hell is. In fact, it's the worst place imaginable. Why, it's even worse than Utah. And you certainly don't want to go to Utah, do you, children? No, no, of course not. Yes, hell is terrible. Would you like to know the best way to avoid hell, children? Why, Fusebox merchandise, of course. Now, I know your parents have probably told you that listening to the Fusebox show or owning Fusebox merchandise will lead to impure thoughts, blindness, and hairy palms. But I know better, children. I know that all good and decent American Christians own lots and lots of Fusebox merchandise. And you know why, children? Because they don't want to burn in hell for all eternity. That's why. And we don't want to burn in hell for all eternity, do we, children? Why, no, of course not. We all want to go to heaven, right? No, no one wants to burn in hell for all eternity. Or go to Utah. And so we must live good, God-fearing lives. We must do unto others before they do unto us. And we must purchase as much fuse box merchandise as we can even if we must lie, cheat, and steal to do it in order to avoid going to hell. Oh, Utah, you all want to be good, right-thinking Christians, don't you? Of course you do. All good, clean, God-fearing Americans do. Why, I have it on excellent authority that President Eisenhower himself enjoys fuse box merchandise. So let us bow our heads and type in thefuseboxstore.com to buy Fusebox merchandise right now. Amen, Father. Amen. Visit thefuseboxshow.com today. That's thefuseboxshow.com. Yes, it's a spiritually uplifting thing to do. Shop yourself silly at the Fusebox store because, well... Those damn holidays are coming and there is nothing we can do about it, even if we wanted to. Seriously, does help the cause here, friends. Really does. We so much appreciate your patronage there. And uh, with that, we'll call it a show and shuffle our way down the hall, but not before tooting a horn full of thanks to our contributors in this edition of Fusebox. Eric Jurda for taking several for the team in that biker bar. Evan Morgan for outstanding Legomation. Bruce Miles for fatherly advice. Eric Newsom for retroactive announcing. Trista Perez for vixenizing to perfection once again. And Jeff Pollard for announcementisms and coverage. Thanks as well to the man behind the glass... Milt Keynes for production assistance and catering. Uh, wait a minute. Catering? Wait, do I have to cook something? Only the meters, my friend. Only the meters. And big thanks, as always, to you, dear friends, for pushing play on this edition of the program and reminding you to keep an eyeball in rotation for the uh, Lego of Reality promo we have recently uncorked. And uh, go ahead, share that rascal, as you will then be placed automatically in our drawing to receive a fabulous gift from the Fusebox store. And uh, we will announce that person on the October 25th show, so be here for that for sure. So, 
I have been your often intimated but never defoliated host, Mark Rowe, saying, until our next cartoon. Nice to have you back, man. Nice to be back. Fuse Box.